everybody. Hi, everybody. Rock your body. We're back and talking about some ghosts. 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 Two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. And I have a question for you, Corinne. Yeah. Because I had a conversation with some friends the other day. And my answer for this question is absolutely 100% yes, I will do it. But I wanted to know what your answer would be. Okay. If someone offered you $500 to wear a pair of socks, work out in them, and then send them to them, would you do it? You never have to meet the person. You never need to know their name. You ne- they never need to know anything about you. They just want your socks for $500. You know, it's a tough one because part of me is like, oh, my God, yeah, duh. Obviously, that's such an easy $500. But for some reason, the fact that they don't care about me and they just want my socks, <laughs> I somewhat feel violated. Oh, my God. I would, be, I would w- feel way more violated if they knew about me and they wanted to know about me. Really? Yeah, I want them to take my socks. I'll take the $500. It's a great partnership. We'll never have to talk ever again unless you want my socks for $1,000 next time. Then we can talk. Okay. You seem so hesitant. Because it's just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I guess I'll, if you want to sell your socks, I'll sell my socks with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. But before we go too far into this episode, perhaps I could sing you a little song for your birthday, which is tomorrow when this episode drops. What are you going to sing to me? Happy birthday to you. Now you're not going to be able to talk the rest of the episode. (laughs) It's hard to do your little demon voice. Thank you, Chris. Happy birthday. Oh, there's three. I think there were three voices coming out of me just then. You're possessed. That That's what happens on my birthday. Happy birthday, there's a Bruno. I just like scream laughed. <coughs> God, that oh, hurts. Gosh, I'm never doing that again. Him. How do people do screamo music? Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. What are you doing for your birthday? I have literally no idea. We're recording this a couple of weeks early, so you have some time. I have zero clue. Zero clue. I don't know. I want to do something because it's my golden birthday. 26 on 26. 26 on 26, champagne birthday. But I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of sad because a long time ago, I talked about running a marathon on my 26th birthday because it's 26.2 miles. And it is something that I actively chose not to do because I just didn't have time and I can't add another thing in my life that consumes me. But I'm sad about it because I think it was something that I was like really excited to do. And then it's so much better in theory than it is in practice, I guess. Could you do um, two half two marathons? One right around your birthday and then one on your half birthday? Mm, but is that the same too. or does that not feel as special? No. No, I mean, it's not It's not the end of the world. I also like, it's probably not that great for your body anyways. And I don't need, I don't need to be running 26 miles. It's insane. It's insanity. I don't need to be doing it. You can do something else for 26 minutes. Eat cake. Eat cake. Pet Leia. I'll do the Matilda scene. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. I have to eat an entire cake in 26 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> 26 cakes, 26 minutes. We're going to live stream it on Two Girls, <laughs> One Ghost Facebook page. Can she Our do second it? second ever live stream. 
What an opposite thing. 26 miles or tw- eat 26, 26, cakes. 26 minutes. That really good chocolate cake, though, from Matilda. What about... Oh, forget it. You're a vegetarian. I was going to say 26 <laughs> hot dogs. Yeah, no. 26 blocks of tofu. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> That's so boring. Oh, gosh. Wait, have you watched Euphoria yet? Have we done No. That? That's what it was. Me and my cousin, someone was telling me to watch it. And she was like, oh, I've watched it. And I was like, let's watch it tonight together. And then we got back to her house. And I was like, what are we supposed to start? And she was like, I have no idea. I can't remember. We uh, Neither of us could remember. But that's the show. The season finale is can on. You, like text it to me. You know what? I'll just put it on my little list. Wait, why don't I text it to you right now? And then you can have on it. On my for- little list of 7,000 shows and movies and podcasts and books. I know. That's how I feel now that I work a job with so many well-versed television writers every day there's a new tv show or a new movie that i have to add to my watch list and there's no way i'll be able to watch them all no way hey that's what i'll do on my 26th birthday hide in a hole and watch movies by myself how about in your okay i have a good idea for you what for year 26 why don't you read 26 books that have been sitting on your list that's a great idea because it's kind of a challenge Mm -hmm. that's that's over really two idea. books a month. I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but I can try. You can try, though. That's a good... I think that's a good yeah. thing for you because you're such a big reader. I mean, we're both readers, but... I know. I think you would enjoy it. Tackle some of that list. That's another thing I want to do on my birthday. I want to do the things that I can't do in my normal life because it's an excuse that I could do it on my birthday because no one could bother me or tell me otherwise. Yeah. It's a you day. I also want to go to Disneyland again. So... There's a lot of things that I want to be doing on my birthday. It's just a matter of how does it all fit in. Eat 26 Mickey Pops in 26 minutes. And I'm going to run 26 miles all the way towards Disney. And then everyone will pick me up and then take me the rest of the way. <laughs> Wonderful. What a good plan. This will be fun. We'll live stream the whole day. All day, every day. I'll be the one. I won't even be there. I'll just be watching on the feed saying, go, Sabrina, go, go. You can send Ghost. Dude, ghost is real. Oh my god, speaking of ghost, how could I forget? What? My mom's totally haunted. <laughs> Wait, is this a nail throwing no. ghost? No, this happened on her walk. So she was walking with her friend Lisa, and they were walking um, through our town, and I actually called her on her walk, and she was like, oh, I'm about to walk with Lisa, can I call you back later? And then when she called me back later, she was like, oh my god! Because when they had been walking down, to their end destination where they were going to like loop back my mom started Mm -hmm. telling lisa about this like kind of odd thing that had happened to her and my brother years ago when they were doing that same walk and it had been when my dog was alive and they were taking him on a walk together and it was dusk so it was like kind of that time of night where it was like almost dark like oh like kind of the too dark where you were like okay we should really turn around now type of dark right where people shouldn't yeah. really be out everyone's kind of hustling home mm-hmm. and this area where you walk it, it has a big field and some woods so it's especially creepy because uh, plenty of coyotes are around and stuff and you just don't really want to be out but there's also right. a playground right there and no. they had been walking towards the playground and they didn't go all the way because at the playground with no one else around was and i can't believe they've never told me this before but there was a little girl (gasps) with long dark hair just sitting on the swing and she was wearing like a white dress that my mom said looked 
old, like an olden time dress. And she was all alone and no one was around her. And she was just sitting there like completely still. Didn't look at them. Nothing. It was like they weren't even near by. And so my mom and my brother and my dog, because he was basically a human, they're all looking like, what are we witnessing? Is this a ghost? Like what kind of like, is this a trick? If we walk by, is something going to happen to us? Right. And so they ended up turning around and being like, that was the weirdest thing that's ever happened. And they said that they've brought up the story plenty of times before being like, God, do you remember when that thing happened? And I was like, this is news to me. I've never heard this story before. Um, but my mom was telling her friend Lisa and they were like, wow, wow, that's so weird <laughs> as they're passing by this area. So whatever. Mm-hmm. That's fine. They're talking about it. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes pass. And now they're on their way back and they're coming by the same sort of area where this happened. And they're they're past the playground and they're moving up the hill. My mom's chatting, chatting, chatting. And then Lisa suddenly like stops and like turns around and goes, I could have sworn someone was behind us. My mom was like, oh my God. No. She was like, you didn't hear all those footsteps? And Lisa had heard a bunch of footsteps following them and then turned around to see if someone was like about to pass them. No. Yeah. And so my mom's, I was speculating with my mom and we we're like, maybe that was something really odd that you and my brother Christian had seen years ago. And then you retelling that story kind of woke it up again oh, and it and invited the ghost back. It walked by you or like made its presence known again. So I guess not as I'm straight so up curious. paranormal as maybe some of her stories, but. It's a little creepy. And to be walking through, like, a field when this happens. Ooh. Right. Were they anywhere near the playground? Yeah, they were probably maybe, like, a quarter of a mile away. Because I, I just feel like acknowledging ghosts like that gives them the power. Uh-huh. Not to say that it's a bad spirit, but it probably was like, oh, someone actually acknowledges me. Yeah, they knew I was knows there. And I'm here. Yeah. Well, because I was reading a story this weekend about it has to do with the thing that I was researching and it was talking about how one of the spirits was very, very active until someone recognized it and acknowledged its existence. And then all of a sudden the spirit was gone. gone. All it needed was to be acknowledged and then it moved on. I wonder, I hope it didn't just keep on walking straight up into my house. Yeah, that would be scary. Well, we'll find out because I'll be going home soon. Yeah, I... But how do you tell the difference between the spirit that came and followed your mom from all the many spirits that just end up in your house because you're basically having an Airbnb for them? You know what? I'm not sure. But I guess if I see someone sitting on the couch in a white dress with long hair, not acknowledging (laughs) anyone around them, then I'm going to be a little bit freaked out and I'm going to know it's the person from the playground. It's just me in my Samara costume. No. Yeah, that's literally what. Yeah, she was because I was like, maybe it's because there's a Native American or they they say there's a Native American burial ground right there, like right over there on the mound. Right. Um, And I was like, maybe it was a Native American. And she was like, no, this person was of Asian descent and was young, like maybe like elementary school, middle school aged. Hmm. So she was like, I don't think it was a Native American. Interesting. I wonder if there's. If there's any way to track down the story of a young girl dying in that area. God, I don't know. Or maybe it was just, I don't want to speculate. Nope. Knock on wood. Wait, I want to, I want you to speculate. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> I was just like, oh, maybe What's it's something new? dark trying to show itself as something else. Hoping that my mom will forever remember, maybe invite it back, play the long game, you know, and now we have a demon mm. in our house. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. I'll open up my drawer of magic and get it gone. 
Okay. For our topic this week, we chose to do bed and breakfast because, you know. No, we didn't. That's not what we chose. (laughs) (laughs) That was two weeks ago. That was like (laughs) three weeks ago. Corinne's living in the past, guys. Literally, what is wrong with me? I promise you that's not what I, that's not what I studied. That's not what I researched. <laughs> We're doing, you can, do you want to say it? You can say S- it. Summer vacation spots. Woo! Where do you Just summer? As- Where do you holiday? Just as the summer is coming to a close and everyone's going back to school, we wanted to reminisce on some of the most beautiful summer vacation spots that are also very haunted. <laughs> And maybe you'll stay at a bed and breakfast at one of those places. <laughs> Good God. Uh, I swear. I was just telling happened. my boss the other day. I said, I, I think there's actual some some real life serious memory loss going on in here. I should probably go to a doctor. I think it's just we do a lot of research for this podcast, so it's easy to get confused. together. Yes. Whew. Thanks for the excuse. You know, I realized I feel like people on the East Coast summer are way more intensely than people on the west coast probably because of the weather but i feel like there's just a a culture of summering on the east coast that doesn't exist anywhere else yeah i wonder about other places because yeah in boston you don't um maybe have two weekends that are actually present here in boston in the summer but you're expected to go venture off to the lakes and the mountains and the beaches and explore all the different towns right you summer away you weekend away which is awesome and great and and i mean growing up in New Jersey, that's the summer was our time to do these big trips. And and the place that I chose is actually the place that we went to every single summer. And I low-key got very emotional doing this research because I just missed this town so much. And got I, I mean, there's an element of nostalgia, but there's also the element of fear that I won't be able to go back and experience it the way that I used to. Yes, you, know? you will. It doesn't have to be the exact same way you used to, just, but you can just grow with your summer spot. I know, but it's just like, I don't have time off in the summers. So when am I going to go back to this cute little town called Cape May, New Jersey, exit zero off the Garden State Parkway? And it, I don't know. It's just like a my family used to go every single summer and we'd stay for at least a week Did or two. Did you guys stay in a hotel, motel, an inn? Did you rent a house? We did everything. We never rented a house. My Cousins actually ended up buying a house in a beach near beach town nearby, but we would stay in different hotels and inns and motels and and got all the scary ghost stories because every I'm not kidding when I say every single place in Cape May is haunted. (laughs) Isn't it hilarious that people just like go? I was thinking about this when we were doing our live show in New York Mm -hmm. and I was waiting for I like scheduled one of those like super shuttle things to take me from the airport to the hotel and in the little waiting yeah. area there was all of these like summer in the cat skills and i was like oh so i can be near the crown of cat skills yeah right it's like <laughs> all of these summer destinations that people are like oh my gosh family fun like good clean fun no and then there's haunted. demons <laughs> they're the most haunted so haunted i was actually talking to my dad about kate may because i was asking my, I was asking all my family members for any stories that they remembered from being in Cape May. And my dad was like, oh, it's the most haunted town in America. No doubt. He was like, every single place there is haunted. The entire town has just an energy about it, which is so true. And it's and I feel like I appreciated it growing up and I still do. And I have this strong sense of nostalgia and love for this town. But when I was doing the research for it, I was 
it made me realize how much I didn't really know about it. It's, it's, it, it, it feels like a little time capsule. I stuttered so much just then. It's like a little time <laughs> capsule because all of the houses are Victorian era styled houses. Beautiful. And it was used in World War II and it's just, it's gorgeous and there's so much history. You know what else is quite and interesting? I love is it. that your father, what? who has been almost like a beacon of uh, paranormal to the paranormal, mm-hmm. do you think that, did he decide that that was going to pl- be the place for the family to vacation? Was he called there? No. You know, I don't, I have, I'd have to follow up with you on that because I don't know the answer to that, but I do believe it was my mom side of the family who chose because it was like the vacation we always went with my aunt and uncle my mom's brother and then my grandma and it would be Mm. our two families okay but i don't know maybe he did anyway it's the very tip bottom of new jersey exit zero on the garden state parkway it's actually you know what i realized is actually the place i went on my very first ghost tour ever really yeah (gasps) sabrina I know. I'm going to cry. I really, really love this place. This is the perfect birthday episode for you. It kind of is. And it's also the place that I wrote my very first screenplay. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This place is so special. (laughs) Yeah, because my It's played so many big roles in your life. It really has. It did. Wow, I have tears. I'm actually getting... I know you're getting a little teary. I think you've spent too much time in California, and it's time to move back to the East Coast. Uh, Sometimes I wish I could, but my career is over here. I know. Unless I... Decide to channel my Stephen King and write creepy things from a small little town, Portland, Maine. <gasps> yes! And then we'll live next to each other. <laughs> uh, no, no. But anyway, okay, Cape May. Okay, so it's a little town with a population of 3,000 or so year-round. And then in the summer, it reaches anywhere between forty to 50,000. So it, it's primarily a beach town mm-hmm. for the summers. And it was named one of America's top 10 beaches by the Travel Channel. And its beach was ranked fifth in New Jersey in the 2008 Top 10 Beaches Contest. And the Lenape tribe were the earliest inhabitants of the land dating back to the 17th century. And then in 1621, a Dutch traveler found, chartered, and explored the peninsula. His name was Captain Cornelius Jacobson May, hence the name Cape May, which is the town now. Mm -hmm. And Cape May began hosting vacationers from philadelphia in the mid 18th century and it is recognized as the country's oldest seaside resort in 1816 the congress hall was built which is one of the most haunted buildings which i have some stories in that i personally did not stay in but my cousins stayed in the actual congress hall building and then i stayed in like the condos that were connected to congress hall but oh my god so cool i know it's one of the most haunted buildings in the town and After its construction, Cape May became one of the most popular resorts in America. And by 1834, there were six boarding houses in Cape Island began to attract the elite of New York, Baltimore, Washington, and Philadelphia. They kept building new hotels, and the New Atlantic was built in 1842, and it could accommodate 300 guests. There were music pavilions and ballrooms and all of this fun stuff that was built. There's actually a little section of the town with this music pavilion that reminds me of uh gilmore girls of that town like it's ripped <laughs> really ripped out of cape may it's the exact same thing there's this little cute little town square and the music fit pavilion is in the in the middle oh and then all of these investors were starting to invest in cape may because they were like oh this is a great place to spend my money and build places so they began to build the largest hotel in the world which is called the mount vernon hotel 
and that was in 1852, and it intended to serve 3,500 patrons, but in 1856, it was burnt down by a massive fire that struck Cape May. At the time, was accommodating 2,000 guests, but was still unfinished. So now, I think they rebuilt the Mount Vernon, and I'm pretty sure I've stayed at it, but it's not nearly as big. There is one hotel, too, that's on Cape May that it, it might be Mount Vernon that no children are allowed to stay at. It's adults only. And we always scoffed at it as we walked by. We're like, oh, you won't let us stay. And now as an adult, you're like, man, doesn't that sound like a lovely little respite little from the rest of the world? The biggest the biggest part of it, of the no kids, is the pool. That, yeah, that's the thing. Chill and it's read a It's a no splash zone. That's what it means. Yeah, exactly. They have not met Nick. Nick is in a pool. <laughs> he will splash. Oh, man. He is a Pisces. He's a water man. So in 1878, a five-day-long fire destroyed 30 blocks of the town center, and as part of the reconstruction efforts, replacement homes were almost uniformly built in Victorian style, and because of this, the entire city of Cape May is an official national historic landmark, which I didn't know, and it's so cool. That's wild. Like, I didn't know how good I had it. I was going to a national historic landmark my whole life. Yep. So cool. Uh, during World War II, many naval forces were moved to Cape May for protection, and it helped reduce deaths at sea. But there have been many deaths in Cape May, and even further, so many ghost sightings. And I can't tell you them all, because I, I, it's impossible. It's impossible to do, but I'll tell you the ones that um, I remember hearing on the first ghost tour I ever went to, and then also the ones that just stuck out to me. So there's a medium, his name is Craig McManus, who also grew up going to Cape May as a kid, and now has written four books on the hauntings in Cape May. And he says it's impossible to count the number of spirits in town, but has covered about 100 hauntings in the town. What? 100. Keep in mind, this is a, to- a tiny little town. Yeah. There's this street, and I think I've mentioned this on a previous, maybe earlier episode. There's a street called Jackson Street, and it's said to be the most haunted street in America. And it's only two blocks long. It's a tiny street. And people are said to have time traveled on the street. I remember on the ghost tour, we were walking down the street and the tour guide was saying that a woman was walking on the street by herself. And because it's such a small street and especially during off season, there's no one really in the town except for the 3000 residents that live there. So this woman was walking down the street in October in the fall. It was crisp and it was cold and no one else was on the street. And all of a sudden she sees a woman ahead of her in Victoria styled clothing. And so she walks closer and closer and she feels a bit weird. She's like, I, what is she doing? Like, it's like, I don't know, that doesn't fit in. And then all of a sudden she hears a horse-drawn carriage behind Yay. her. And she turns to look and it starts like going past her on the street. And then she looks back towards the way that she was walking. And all of a sudden she's back in normal present day. Oh and my God. That's- she is, yeah. Isn't that cool? That's and apparently wild. she's not the only one who that's happened Ooh. to. But yeah, apparently that happens to people often on Jackson Street. Wow. And it has apparently eight or nine known hauntings. And then keep in mind, it's two blocks. Eight or nine known hauntings in two blocks. Just yes. like out and about. It's not even just like, hey, this is one one hotel or one house. Yes. It's just and out think- and about. Well, I think some of the hauntings are in the houses because there are four houses called the Merry Widow, the Inn at 22 Jackson, the Windward, and the Saltwood, and all of those ones have hauntings. But one of the more 
famous ones has to do with 22 Jackson Street. And there's a story that in 1899, the innkeeper heard a knock on the door. And so she went to go open the door and she sees a man there. And he's standing on the porch and he politely says hello. And he says, you know, I used to live in this house as a boy and that he used to play on the Jackson Street as a kid. And he loves he'd love to see the place. And then he goes, have you met Esmeralda yet? The woman was like, what? And then all of a sudden the temperature in the foyer drops. And then the woman is like kind of weird, weirded out by it, the innkeeper. And she's she's like, what did you say your name was again? And he goes, oh, never mind that. And then he turns and like walks away. And so she closes the door and she gets freaked out. And then she's like, that was too weird. So she opens the door again to go call after the man. And he's disappeared. He's gone. Ah. Nowhere to be found. <laughs> and then she's like confused. And she's she's asking, who's Esmeralda? What is she? What is this guy talking about? And two weeks later, a tenant who was staying on the first floor actually comes to the innkeeper and is like, is your house haunted? And she quickly says, no, of course not. Of course, that that's impossible. It's not haunted. But of course, in the back of her mind, she's like, I don't know, is it? Is it? And so she goes to someone who actually had been staying on the third floor of the of the inn, which is like the turret, which is the very top of the building. Mm-hmm. And she trusts this guy and she asks, have you ever seen anything or heard anything weird in this place? Have you seen any ghosts? And the tenant looks at her and says, just the woman sitting at the end of my bed. Oh, okay. (laughs) Need some explaining there. Yeah, and apparently that just was what the ghost needed. And she starts doing a lot more and getting way more active in the house slash in. And she apparently would go into people's rooms when they were in there and everyone would be freaked out because the door just opened and no one's standing there. She would move people's things around. She was this innkeeper was so overwhelmed that she ended up going to look at records in in to figure out what the history of the building uh-huh. was and who this Esmeralda was that the man had mentioned. And she came to find out that the original owners of the home actually had a nanny with the name of Esmeralda. And so they believe that Esmeralda is haunting the house and trying to keep a tidy home. Oh, that's actually sweet. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Emlyn Physix Estate, which is one of the most haunted places in Cape May. It's the largest home in the town, but it's now a Victorian home museum, and it's own and it used to be owned by the Physix. Emlyn Physix Jr., his widowed mother Frances Ralston, and his maiden aunt Emily Parmentier moved into their home when it was completed in 1879. I like how I added a French accent to that name, but I don't know that there actually is one necessary. <laughs> But so when the last member of the family died in the mid-1930s, no one was able to stay in the home. Like, people would try to move in, but then they would quickly move out. And people think it's because the family, the physics family was haunting the home and that no tenants could stay because of the hauntings. Wow. And then the home went into disrepair until the 1970s when the Mid-Atlantic Center bought the property and restored it. And then they made it into the museum. And they said that when they bought the home, the spirits were really angry and fraught and that they would were really active but then they restored the home into the, its original building and they basically made everything back to what it had been and the spirits all became very happy and it which is so opposite usually when with construction and restorations spirits get more active but they realized that the restoration was to return it to its previous glory and so the family mm-hmm. the family of ghosts were like thank you thank you so much Aww. this is exactly what we wanted People hear music playing 
when there's no record player or radio or any music instruments around. And McManus, the guy who wrote all these books on this, said that the the mother, Dr. Physick's mother, is no longer in the house, but she still is a residual energy, especially in her bedroom on the second floor. And there's another resident. Her name is Bella, who was the younger sister of Mrs. Ralston, who died in 1883, shortly after the family moved into the mansion. And then there are the dogs, because apparently Dr. Fissix had over 12 dogs. Oh, my gosh. I would love to live there. And their spirits are seen romping all over the property. And apparently when they were alive, Dr. Fissix's mother would refuse to let the dogs inside the house. They had to stay outside in the backyard. And Emily, the the mother-in-law, or what was she? She was the the aunt, she would sneakily let the dogs in. And so now in the afterlife, all the dogs just romp around like, look what I can do now. Oh. Yeah. And, okay, now into the many haunted hotels. The first hotel is the Inn of Cape May, which was built in 1894. It was a 60-room boarding house and is now one of Cape May's most popular hotels. It is also one of the most haunted hotels that I I can't remember if we stayed at or if we just like walked through it because we knew it was haunted. We definitely went to the restaurant there. And this was like the thing because we knew Kate May was so haunted. We go to all these different restaurants and we like try to find like secret places and like go sneak around and look for ghosts. Yeah. Um, But this is it's a gorgeous white Victorian building with a wraparound porch and it has purple accents. Oh, a wraparound porch. I know. It's beautiful. And guests have heard children playing in the hallway, calling to each other, bouncing balls in the middle of the night. And the hotel has four floors, but then it has the fifth floor, which is much smaller. And it's more like an attic, but it has two or three rooms on that floor. And it's said to be the most haunted room. Those rooms are just given out at random, kind of. No one really asks for them. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. Craig McManus and his photographer actually stayed there and they requested those rooms. But guests will get those rooms at random and then request to be moved because of the things that they'll hear people hear voices when no one's up there and craig mcmanus's photographer was spending the night on the fifth floor and he woke up to an arm reaching across the bed over towards him coming from out of nowhere mm-hmm. reaching for him uh no so he jumped out of bed and refused to go back until the morning and when i was in middle school one of my really close friends her dad remarried and i think for like one of their anniversaries they went to cape may in the middle of the winter and stayed at the inn of cape may and they were like they were because like i said in the winter it's like pretty dead i mean there are some hotels open but for the most part it's just a sleepy town Mm -hmm. and so they stayed there and they're staying up on the fifth floor and they checked in everything was normal but at night, things got really different. They started hearing children's voices and they would go out in the hallway and the guy saw a young kid running down the stairs. But they're like, okay, that's weird. But why is this child running around this late at night? Maybe it's the family of like the owners of the hotel. Who knows? But they ignored it and went back to their room and then they got back in bed and started hearing weird scratching on the walls and they thought maybe it was the shutters in the windows, but there were no shutters on their windows. And then there's a part of the story where I think they had a balloon in the room because it was like because it was their anniversary, he'd gotten a balloon and the balloon started moving around the room as if like a little kid was playing with oh it. Oh God, oh God. And it was like hitting the wall and the ceilings and then they kept hearing another kid laughing and so the 
guy went out into the hallway again and opened the door. And this time he saw a pair of legs with no upper body running off nope. into the distance. Nope. That's too many just appendages that are not attached to anything. Just too <laughs> many limbs. Yeah. Yeah. And it and people believe that the children are the spirits of two kids who drowned in the ocean over 100 oh, years wow. ago. So maybe that's them. So it's not like a scary thing. I mean, any ghost experience, I guess, can be scary, but it's not evil haunting. And there's another resident ghost. Her name, well, they call her the Lady in Blue because she's an old housekeeper who used to work at the Inn of Cape May and still checks in on rooms to make sure they are clean. And then there's, let's see, Congress Hall. Okay, this is the one that my family has an experience in and the one that... It's like said to be very, very haunted. It was built in 1816 as a boarding house. It was called the Big House and it was renamed to the Congress Hall in 1828 when the owner was elected to Congress. And so he was like, well, now this is my Congress Hall. And it's a gorgeous white or gorgeous yellow building with white columns. It's so pretty. It's so grand. People refer to it as like the Cape May's White House. Oh, wow. It kind of looks like that. In 1878, the building was destroyed by a fire that destroyed 38 acres of Cape May seafront. And then by 1879, the hotel was rebuilt with brick. And the hotel became so popular that several presidents vacationed there. Ulysses S. Grant, Franklin Pierce, James Buchanan, President Benjamin Harrison. And it just was like a very, very popular place for people to stay. And the hotel took a dive in the 1920s with Prohibition. It actually, but they were like, we're going to make this work. We're going to make it continue to be a popular place for mm -hmm. people to visit. And the second prohibition or ended, they were the first place to open a post-prohibition cocktail bar. So the very first post-prohibition bar was at the Congress Hall. And the present owners purchased the building in 1995. And they did a lot of renovations. And apparently that increased a lot of paranormal activity. And they got some EVPs. One EVP said, don't hurt Schmitty. And apparently the boilers in the hotel are Schmidt brand. And so people believe that the EVPs are like the maintenance worker of someone who installed the Schmidt brand earlier and they don't want them to be ruined. Oh, they're just trying to take nice care of their things. I know. I know. The hotel actually gives off like very serious shining vibes, like long <laughs> hallways with really carpets. And the housekeeping would go to change a room and they'd knock on the door and they'd hear people talking. but. So they wouldn't go in and then they call down to the front desk and be like, hey, like, just wanted to check. Weren't these people supposed to check out? And the hotel desk people would be like, yeah, they they checked out earlier this morning. And so they'd go back into the room and actually go in and no one was inside. Craig McManus, who wrote those books, sensed that there were seven different ghosts in the person in the hotel, two of which were our children. And he discovered that in 1876, a 10-year-old boy drowned in front of the Congress Hall at the beach. And a few guests have said that they would hear someone walking around their bed at night. And one person even heard the toilet flushing in the middle of the night. And I'll tell you my family story. So my cousins, my aunt, uncle, and my two cousins stayed at the Congress Hotel. I can't remember. They may have stayed two years. But anyway, they stayed there and... They lost so many things. Really? Things just kept going missing. I think they lost two pairs of flip-flops. And they just, it was like blowing their minds because they, there was no explanation. They had worn them to the beach. They brought them back. They worn them out to the pool. They brought them back. And then they went to go put them on the next day and one shoe would be missing, just one of the pair. And then the next day, the other pair would be gone. 
So maybe ghost child. I don't know. Absolutely ghost child. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you two more stories. There's too many. There's so many, but I'll tell you a few more. Okay. There's a bar called Cabanas. It is haunted by a heartbroken ghost waiting for her lover to return. And the story goes, and this is one of the stories that we heard on the ghost tour when we went. It's the story is that there was a woman named Julia who lived on the third floor of the building along with her child who was born out of wedlock to a seaman. And she was cast from society due to her scandalous situation. And Julia would spend her days in the widow's watch on the top floor, scanning the horizon for a glimpse of a boat that might be bringing her loved one back. She wanted to reclaim her status. And she thought that if he came back and he took her as his wife, then she and her child would be able to live a happy life in the town. Mm -hmm. So one day Julia saw a boat coming and her child was so excited that her child ran across the street and got hit by a carriage and was killed. And Julia was so struck with grief that she hanged herself in the widow's watch. And according to legend, her spirit still lingers in the upper third floor corner where her room was located. A number of different psychics confirmed some sort of presence in the building. One of them actually could figure out all of these things that there was no way of her knowing that there was like a hatch under this part of the building where kegs would be dropped off for seamen back in the day and no one knew that and then there was another psychic who described how julia would come downstairs and try to flicker the lights and at the time there was the mermaid figure on a porch like a little statue and julia mm-hmm. would put the mermaid and put lights on the top of the stairs because she was worried about the safety of drinking customers Oh, that's sweet. And it would alert them so that they didn't fall down the stairs. That's very sweet. Yeah, she's she's a kind spirit. She's looking out. Yeah, but sad. And then there's this place called George's. And when I texted everyone in my family and asked them if they remembered anything from Kate May or had any ghost stories, every single one of them referenced this story, which mm-hmm. we call the baby powder story. Because there's this restaurant. It's called George's. It's on the corner of the main street. It's a Greek restaurant, but I, for some reason I'm convinced that it used to be a pizza place, but everyone tells me I'm crazy and that it's always been a Greek place, so maybe I'm losing my mind. Anyway, so it's George's, and it said, the ghost story is that at every evening at 4 p.m., like clockwork, the spirit of an old man will come in, but you can never see the old man, but you will smell his baby powder, and he will sit in the corner booth, and everyone will be able to smell his baby powder. And the story goes that there is this man, his name was Don. He used to be well-known in the food industry in Philadelphia. But when his wife got sick, he spent all of his money trying to pay her medical bills. And then she died. And so he had nothing left and decided to move into a small house that he owned in Cape May, which this all took place around 1980. And he would frequent frequent this restaurant every day at 4 p.m. And he would always sit in the same corner booth and he always smelled like baby powder. And one day at 4 p.m., Don didn't show up. 4.30 came and he still was nowhere to be found. And the people who worked at the restaurant were a little bit worried because they were so used to his presence. But maybe he had something else going on. But then 5 p.m. rolled around and all of a sudden a newspaper flew off of the counter and everyone got a whiff of baby powder. Mm. It was as if Don had just walked in, but he hadn't. And everyone joked, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. But turns out it wasn't a joke because the next day they were notified that the night prior... Don had been found dead in his bedroom and he had died around 5 p.m. Oh, my goodness. And the first thing he did as a ghost was go to his favorite restaurant. And he still goes every single day. If you go in around 4 p.m., you will smell baby powder. Some people have even, like, gotten baby powder on them from the corner booth if you sit in it. What? Really? Oh, that's cool. Just get a little marking. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's this one old house called Columbia House and it has a playful cat, but it's a spirit. And the cat tends to join people in the middle of the night and cuddle with them. And like if it basically, I think his name is Alex. Yeah, Alex is the cat's name. And Alex like will like pick a person out in the crowd and just follow them to their hotel room and just snuggle with them. But his home base is Columbia House. Oh, sweetness. Yeah. There is a hotel with a strange faceless figure that stares out the second floor balcony because it lost it. The spirit lost their head and they're looking for their head. There have been spirits reported roaming around the beach near Cape May Point Lighthouse, some of which look like pirates because there's this whole story connected to Captain Kidd, William Kidd, who sent his fellow pirates to Cape May to hide and protect some of his treasure, which has never been found, Corinne. More treasure for you to find. More treasure, more, more booty. Treasure. <laughs> yeah, it's just like literally every place in Cape May is haunted. And... My family, so I asked my dad and he said that he had a ghost story, which I had never heard before. And he basically said that one of his business buddies, I don't know what to call that. He didn't work with him, but just a friend, business friend. His name was Rob, had a house in Cape May. And one summer when we were staying there, Rob invited my dad over to his house to talk business. And my dad goes and they're hanging out and just talking about business as you do. <laughs> And he said that when he first entered the home, he got this feeling, the feeling that he gets when he knows spirits are present. Mm -hmm. And so when they're like in the middle of their conversation, my dad has to go to the bathroom. So he gets up, goes to the bathroom, and immediately he gets the feeling that someone else is in the bathroom. But of course, he's alone in the bathroom. And so he continued on. He flushed the toilet and he goes to wash his hands. And he looks up in the mirror and sees the reflection of a man standing in the doorway behind him. And he freaks out, turns around. The guy is nowhere to be seen. And so my dad hurries out of the bathroom, goes to tell his friend Rob. And Rob's like, ah, yes, yeah. My kids are always complaining of the man walking into the rooms and walking down the stairs late at night. And they have no idea who the ghost is. But he's there. And he's standing in the mirror behind people as they wash their hands. Oh, my God. And that is Cape May, New Jersey. And they have so many ghost stories that people want to go. There's a million, and I feel like you're keeping so many more from us, too. I am. I am. I Because I could, I, I actually just ordered a book by Craig McManus because I was like, I need to know more. I want to read more about Such this. Such a good idea. And then I also spent a, a long time looking at um, hotel room availability at the Congress Hall. <laughs> really? And then I was like, the thing I should be checking is my availability because <laughs> that kind of impacts Oh, whatever. It. You can find some time. But yeah, that's Cape May. Cape May, New Jersey. Oh, my. There's also, sorry, real quick. There's also a place called Elaine's and they have like dinner theater. And I'm pretty sure I went there for my birthday. I must have been 12. And I, I had like ugly ass glasses. I didn't know how to brush my hair. <laughs> and I had braces, I think. Anyway, they, they do dinner theater show there. And I did that for my birthday one year. That's so fun. Dinner and a show. Even when you were young, you were already doing it. And that's said to be haunted. Oh, my gosh. There's just everything in every corner. But for the most part, they're all kind of nice, they seem. Yeah, nothing's evil. I mean, I mean, that's what I love about it. Maybe it's just that everybody loves Cape May so much that they never want to leave Cape May. That's what it seems right. like to me. I mean, based on how I feel about doing this research, I might go back to Cape May when I'm dead. <laughs> it's more of like an unwillingness to leave Cape May. That's what it yeah. seems like. Yeah, uh, it's the cutest town. 
I love it so much. I do want to go. You've made me want to go. There's so many places I want to go. And honestly, probably all of them are haunted. Probably. There are ghosts everywhere. There are ghosts everywhere. Okay. What did you do? Martha's Vineyard. Oh. An island located south of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. It is Have a- you been? What? Have you been? No, I haven't been to Martha's Vineyard. I haven't been to Cape Cod. I haven't been to Nantucket. I haven't done the South Shore. Corinne, you're right there. You have to go. I know, but I just, everything always draws me up to the North Shore. I don't know anyone in the South Shore. I have friends. We we should okay. go. Yeah. Me and my friend John were saying that we need to plan a trip for next summer, too. Yeah. It's in my future, but for right now, I have not been. Though my cousins, Lainey and Kate, their uh, parents, so my aunt... Mm-hmm. My aunt and uncle, they got married in Martha's Vineyard, so I've seen a million photos. Oh, no way. Back from back in the day. Oh, that's beautiful. 30 years ago. All right. So this is Martha's Vineyard is a very popular spot for summer vacation. It, If you don't know, it's an island. So it's like this tiny little piece of land right below uh, Cape Cod. So it is in Massachusetts, but right off of the coast in the Atlantic and you do have to take ferries there are multiple different ferries you can take out there oh yeah um, I've done it and it it's uh occasionally called waspy it has a year-round population of <laughs> just under 20,000 residents and if you're really cool you can call it by its half name and you can call it just the vineyard instead of Martha's vineyard it's a small island but some big things have happened there for one it was home to the earliest deaf communities in the u.s or one of the earliest deaf communities in the u.s and a special oh. sign language was developed on the island super cool and the vineyard which i'm deeming myself cool enough to just call it the vineyard so i'm going to mostly just <laughs> call it the vineyard throughout this whole thing was also the location where steven spielberg shot the horrifying and scarring movie jaws and while shark attacks don't often happen there there are sharks there there are great white sharks there. They just closed a beach, I think, this past week down there for the day because a great white was seen. Well, isn't Jaws based off of a story that happened in New Jersey? Pretty sure East Coast is just... It's Jaws, I think. It, yeah, it's supposed to be set in New York, but they filmed it all in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. And who's a serial killer that was supposed to be... Like, there's that rumor that he was in the background of one of the shots. Uh, Ed Edwards or something. Oh, Edward Wayne Edwards. What's that guy? He's like, I don't know. He just appears in the background of a bunch of stuff, but <laughs> probably not him. Anyway, That's there was huge a, there speculation. Was... No one should listen to what I'm saying, but there are podcasts on it. Yeah, yeah. There, there was one serial killer that was supposedly supposed to be like in the background of a Jaws shot, which I think I want to say it was Ted Bundy. Well, there, there was also in the background of the Jaws movie. They saw a woman whose body had been found. She was like this. She was murdered like a week after. Okay, I need to backtrack. So when Jaws was filmed, (laughs) they basically just used the general population as background actors. So there are a ton of people, just locals and people vacationing that are in the background of Jaws. And there was one woman who only in the past couple of years, she was spotted in the background of this movie. And she matches this Jane Doe who was found murdered just a few weeks later in martha's vineyard i believe or somewhere in the cape but they made maybe that's what i'm thinking about that might be it because they like they thought that she was from an affluent family because of her like 
her dental records were showing, but I don't know if they ever placed who exactly that person was. But she was seen as an extra, like, walking around in the background of Jaws. Wow. But anyway, okay. So this is not about Jaws, though there is a bridge called Jaws Bridge, which appears in the movie. Mm -hmm. And in the summer, you can just go and cool off by jumping into this death by great white shark cool water below i'm cool dark water i'm pretty sure i've jumped off that bridge i just didn't know that it was the jaws it's the bridge. jaws bridge I'm, everyone i feel like a ton of people do because whenever i'm like i've never been to martha's vineyard people are like oh my god you should go you should do this and this and this and jaws bridge mm-hmm. it's always in the list okay martha's yeah. vineyard is also known as being super unaffordable the cost of living is 60 percent higher than the national average and the housing prices are 96 oh percent higher than the national average very Whoa. pricey but like I want to live there and I haven't been there, but I just know I want to because it's super hot. <laughs> you don't have a lot of houses, Corinne. But I have to go to Martha's Vineyard and I probably want to live there because I want to live. This is I'm getting excited thinking about it. I saw on Google Earth as I typically give myself tours via Google Google Earth on the places that we're doing. I saw that there is a gingerbread cottage village. Have you heard about what? this? No. Oh, <laughs> it is a real life storybook. It is so beautiful. It's insane. There are a few for sale. I just don't have enough money. But it's this quaint little section of these like beautiful candy colored houses circling each other. It's very Hansel and Gretel. It's so beautiful. You're Googling it right now. You're going to barf. It's so wonderful. Yes. So they're not real gingerbread houses. I mean, basically, they're these little like old. Victorian kind of European I don't know they look like what you would probably see in like Germany or Switzerland they're just these beautiful little colorful cottages and I love them and I know that I dream of having a farmhouse but I'm not sure I think I want to live on Candy Cane Lane now oh they're gorgeous I was just imagining real life gingerbread like made out of gingerbread cookie homes so I was a little confused but these are adorable I think they're insulated with gingerbread what I'm just making shit up, Sabrina. Oh, I was like, that <laughs> seems so stupid. <laughs> it would do that. But I'm glad that I was very convincing in my conviction of saying that. You know what I'm sad about is that I'm so gullible, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you were frustrated looking too. Like, what? How could they do that? <laughs> okay. But if I did live in a little gingerbread house, I would happily live there and just fight off all of the ghosts and demons because... What the vineyard is really known for is the thriving ghost population. Let me first tell you about the Vineyard Gazette building. This building is home to the local newspaper, and it is where my coworker now, Alyssa, she is from the vineyard, and she worked there a few years ago. And this no building way. is super haunted. The building was built sometime in the 1760s, and then later the building was rumored to be used as an almshouse, so... It's a poorhouse. And prior to the newspaper moving in, there was apparently a fight that broke out between two men over a woman. And both of the men were interested in this woman. And so they fought to the death for her, which is very, very odd. Not only because why would you fight over the death for someone, but because one of the men was married to the woman. So it didn't even make sense that there was this other guy suddenly in the mix trying to fight for this. But regardless, they did fight. And they ended up, the fight with these two men ended up on the roof and one of the men fell from the roof 
subsequently dying. Oh, wow. This man now haunts the Vineyard Gazette building, though his spirit is not angry. So he's he's a totally fine spirit. He's just hanging out. And people working in the building do get spooked from time to time and occasionally see a coffee mug move or have issues with technology mm. or see messages left for them like by their desks. But for the most part, wow. he minds his own business. He's just chilling. He's not really, really scary. That's good. Yes. And I asked Alyssa if she ever experienced anything there. And she said no, mostly because she tried very hard not to experience anything there. <laughs> she was like, yep. if ever it's my time, I would just close my eyes and run upstairs as fast as possible if I had to go up there. So I don't blame her. I'm assuming the upstairs is probably the more haunted spot if that's where she was like really nervous to go. But there are many more haunted homes, hotels, inns, etc. on the vineyard. And so many places to say, so many places to learn about if you want to go. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you about some of those places that maybe you could book a room in. Okay. The Kelly House in Edgartown is one of the most popular hotels, both for tourists living and the deceased who maybe hop on that ferry and head to the vineyard every summer. And people who have stayed at this hotel experience many strange things. And the staff has seen plenty of things themselves. So this, the Kelly House was built back in 1732. A lot of the buildings here are old, like 1700s, 1800s. And it used to be a little watering hole for some of the sailors. And these sailors, many of them, never left. There is a spirit of a sailor who likes to take a daily shower in the maid's quarters. What? So yeah, the maids, like, these staff members are often pretty spooked because the shower just starts going off every single day. So strange. Mm-hmm. And guests of the hotel have also heard odd noises and find furniture rearranged. And the two rooms that are said to be the most haunted are room 305 and 307. So if you're looking for some spooky times, 305 and 307, ask for those rooms. Ooh. Vineyard Square is another haunted hotel. And it used to be the Colonial Inn. And it's been a popular spot for people who are just, like, really into the paranormal, looking to get some extra mileage on their Ouija boards, like, what have you. (laughs) Some people have experienced some really odd things, paranormal things, being there. And back in 2006, something even stranger happened than maybe just getting uh, some contact with the Ouija board or your EMF sensor going off. What happened? This hotel, at the time, was still called the Colonial Inn, which it's now renamed the Vineyard Square. And they had some construction going on and they were building the Edgerton Residence Club. And it was a pretty big project. They, at the time, like the wing that it was in, it was was in this section called the Porch Wing and it had 15 rooms on three different floors. And they were going to turn these 15, or they did turn it in. So the construction eventually finished. They took these 15 rooms on these three different floors and they turned them into six luxury suites. So these huge rooms that you can stay in. And it was a very big project and even bigger than you would think because the building sits on sand. So this project was like very difficult. They should use gingerbread to insulate. They they didn't. They only used the maple syrup. And everyone (laughs) knows you have to have the gingerbread first and then you can put the frosting on. And then yes. the maple syrup. Maple syrup is for topping. Absolutely. It's for dunking. It's for topping. It's for lining your gums with. It's for everything. So the construction starts and they were going to do some nice redesigns. They were going to put in some extra support beams because it was on sand. And they're also <laughs> going to replace the crawl space underneath the building with a full basement. 
So winter rolls around. They close the inn. They're like, woohoo, off season, time to get the construction, go in. And they hire a maintenance man to go and be like the go to guy to answer all the questions, to help them with everything, to help them run the show. Mm -hmm. So this guy's name is Jim. And Jim, and also the inn's manager and the whole crew, they're spending a ton of time here in this construction zone over winter, just overseeing everything. And things get a little creepy because they all start to notice that locked doors would suddenly become unlocked or they would hear footsteps and movement from floors that they knew no one was on. And just like some general uneasiness in the air. So like, hmm, something interesting is going on here. We don't feel quite comfortable. And then the manager got a phone call from his office phone, and it was saying that the call was being made from the abandoned wing. <gasps> no. And no, he didn't think anyone, he was certain no one was in that wing at the time. And so the manager just figured, like, oh, it must be Jim. Like, Jim's trying to play a prank on me. He's just bored, whatever. He's just trying to give me a scare. But then oh this gosh. theory changed because Jim, doing some exploring, So Jim is like underneath the building, just poking around, doing some investigating in this wing that they're converting. And he finds underneath the building some large bones. (gasps) So then these guys are like, what do we do with the bones? Oh, I have an idea. Instead of calling the police, let's hike them to the town hall. So they bring these bones to the town hall. And then the town hall is like, "Okay, yeah, we need to call the police. So then they call the police and they come and investigate alongside the newspaper and a photographer, the reporter, etc. And they were all instructed to call the local tribe representative of the Wampanoags. I hope I'm saying that right, which is a local Native American tribe that's in that area of Martha's Vineyard. Because they thought maybe the bones had been human remains and maybe they had belonged to this tribe and they should be properly removed and given another proper burial elsewhere. But it turns out they weren't. And they weren't ever identified as human remains and they weren't ever identified at all. So they have no idea what animal or what was underneath there. But still the construction was, I guess, disturbing the ghosts of the inn enough to uh, prompt them, even though the bones, because at first I was like, it must have been a person and they made the phone call so that they would investigate and find their bones and solve the murder mystery. But it wasn't human remains. They, They never said what it was. But apparently the ghosts were still still disturbed enough to make phone calls about maybe the um, noise, some noise complaints yeah. of the construction. So that is just one of the many haunted places. I've already, now we're, that was number two. Now we're in number three. This is the Pie Bucket Building. It's also quite haunted. This place is haunted by a man named Babe Dugan, and he died of cirrhosis of the liver in 1962. And... Miss Coffee, she's a woman who works at the hotel and she's a bit more paranormal or she's paranormal. She's more sensitive to the paranormal. And she, in fact, is a psychic and she has been for many years, like practicing her abilities. And Miss Coffee hasn't seen Babe, but she does spend a ton of time in this hotel, works there and is more sensitive. And she said that she has felt his presence around and other guests in the hotel have very much indeed seen him laid their eyes on him so miss coffee is like okay i know that this is real and i know babe haunts the pirouette building Mm -hmm. and one day she was upstairs in the office doing some bookkeeping and she was a little bit annoyed because she had these she had a uh, 10 key calculator for her to do all like the just like basic math for bookkeeping these calculators they just kept going missing and so she kept 
buying new ones. So this night, she was like, let me crunch some numbers. Let me spend some time looking for these missing calculators. Let me just like catch up on the things that I haven't caught up on. And so she gets up from where she was sitting after she had done some bookkeeping. And she was like, let me start looking. And then she hears a noise. And it's coming from the closet door. And this closet door is a locked closet door. And so she freezes. And then she looks. And she watches as the locked latch lifts up and down by itself no and she's like nope i'm out of here and she turns to head downstairs and that's when she spots in front of her five 10 key calculators the (laughs) 10 key calculators that she kept having go missing all lined up perfectly in a row one next to the other on the table next to the stairs oh my gosh Well, why? Okay, my question is, why did they take? Why did the ghost take them in the first place? And then why put them back in a row for her? You know, I like to think that maybe there's more than one spirit. Maybe there's like a child that keeps taking the calculators, wanting to play with them, and then the man who they believe haunts it, babe. He was like, okay, she's clearly distressed about her calculators. She needs them. Go put them back. Mm. Or maybe he just didn't think anything of it and he was borrowing them and forgot to give them back. And then when he saw how stressed out she was, she was like, oh, let me just line them up perfectly for her. Yeah, I guess that's nice. The Daggett House Inn is no longer. It was sold. It's now a private residence and it's located at 59 North Water Street. But back when it was an inn, guests often felt the presence of two boys and felt them walking nearby them. And the Martha's Vineyard Preservation Trust now owns the island's oldest residence named the Vincent House. And this house is furnished and decorated with items from the beginning of Martha's Vineyard living. So like from when people first started taking up residency here. And so some of this stuff is like three or four hundred years old. And it's also a popular spot on their vineyard ghost tours that happen. Then another haunted residence is the Vanderhoop Homestead. It's now turned the Equinocultural Center, and there's a little girl who haunts this house, and she screams at night. No. Yep. And so you may be asking, well, who is this little girl? How did she get here, and why is she screaming? She's thought to be, the spirit is thought to be the spirit of a young girl who died back in the early 1800s in that area after she had drowned in a well. And the former residents of the home said that they never heard a little girl scream and found it really odd that now that it was turned into a cultural center that all this stuff was happening. But I like to think that perhaps she misses her the family that lived there before, that maybe she had this sort of attachment to them or just really enjoyed living in a home with a family. And so now she's screaming to try to chase out the cultural center employees and turn it back to being a home once more. Wow. Okay, I imagine screaming. I don't know why, but when I imagine a kid screaming, I think of night terrors. And then I was like, do ghost kids get night terrors? Maybe. They could. But, How do which is we know that they don't? Terrifying. We don't. But I, I hope it's just because she wants the people out. Yeah. And then I'm not sure if this is quite accurate, but I did see that I believe this property used to be owned by Michelle Pfeiffer and her husband. What? No way. Oh, yeah. A ton of celebrities have properties or spend time on Martha's Vineyard. It's kind of like a big, 
I think it's like a big social setting, some mixing going on, mm, you know? Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. And um, Michelle Pfeiffer and her husband, they bought the home. And after their first night in the home, they called their realtor and said that they weren't comfortable and they wanted a new home. But then the realtor was like, give it a little bit more time. The ghost that's in there is a very benevolent ghost and you're going to do just fine. And so they did give it more time and they were fine with this ghost living peacefully. Oh, wow. But after just one night there, in the beginning, they were like, we need out. This place is haunted. So like it only took one night for them to be like, yep, there's something here. And there are many more haunted homes on the island. For example, I'm only going to tell you like briefly about a couple more, but. There's one called the Corbin Norton House, which burned down twice, once in 1894 and then again in 2002. And it's thought that it keeps burning down because it's haunted by these two female spirits. They're sisters, Julie and Lulu Danzel, who were oh. serial arsonists back what? in 1894 on the island. Do they die in a fire? I have no idea. Just ir- irony of it irony i have no idea but they're still yeah they i said that they're serial arsonists but they were just really involved in a string of arsony i don't know if it was just like a one time Mm -hmm. like woohoo like this is fun we're gonna go off for a month and just set a bunch of fires and then get over it the spring break of arson yeah (laughs) yeah maybe summer (laughs) in the vineyard (laughs) who knows who knows? But the land around the island is very haunted as well. So if you're like, oh, well, I don't stay at any of these inns and some of these are private residences. Well, guess what? You can just be walking around and you'll see a ghost. What? People have seen hooded figures standing in the streetlights only to realize later that the figures are not so alive when they vanish within moments of being spotted. That is creepy. People have seen orbs floating by. They've heard their name called. They've heard phantom footsteps behind them etc and one area is wow. very haunted it's near the gay head cliffs and lighthouse and there's a legend or folklore whatever you want to call it that there's a special spot in the area of the cliffs called devil's den and this had been inhabited by the local native american tribes leader Moshup, and he had lived there with his friends and his son I said his friends and his son. I meant his wife, but I hope his wife <laughs> was also his friend. His best friend. His best friend. And they would just eat various animals from the sea. They'd go fishing, but they like pretty much lived in this cave in the cliffs. This is all, let me remind you, this is legend. But they always had this campfire going. And even after his death and the death of his family, when they were no longer residing in the cliff, people still see smoke to this day. They still see smoke coming out of that cliff where the fire had been, where he used to light the fires from the cliff's edge. And this site also happens to be the site of a horrible accident that happened back in 1884 when the SS city of Columbus ran into the rocky ridge in an area known as Devil's Bridge, and then the boat sank and it killed 200 people. Why are they all, were they named after the devil after the fact? Probably, Devil's Den and Devil's Bridge, because there was just... Yeah, a lot going on in that one area, I'm sure. Jeez. But yeah, there's just a lot of tragedy in this area. It's the site of death and despair. And also the Aquina Cultural Center, where that little ghost girl screams in the night, is right there. So people who wander around this area often feel as though they're being watched. They feel like, 
the way that people describe it, it's not like being watched as in someone curious. Like, it's probably not the little girl just being like, oh, who's going by? Right. Right. But they feel like whoever's watching them or whatever is watching them doesn't want them to be there. So people That's get not a good feeling. Very spooked. Yep. You may want to choose those cliffs if you're going to be hanging out near any hunted cliffs over the other cliffs. <laughs> Martha's Vineyard. The oh I'm going to butcher this name. Wikwopsket Cliffs, where many mysterious deaths have occurred, and today people hear phantom voices, people witness a man in period clothing walking around the cliffs over by the windy gates, and people also watch in horror if you just so happen to be walking by when a ghostly woman throws herself from the cliff. What? Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, that's a horrible thing to see. Horrible. And then walking around the vineyard at night may also bring you in contact with many orbs, Orbs floating through the many cool and fascinating cemeteries. John Belushi is uh, buried in one of the vineyard cemeteries, though I have been told his spirit does not haunt there. He has moved on to do comedy in the afterlife. Yeah, or he's reincarnated as our next... John Mulaney. (laughs) John Belushi is now John Mulaney. (laughs) Start that rumor. (laughs) I'm sure the dates don't add up there, but... No, I don't. Yeah, probably not. Okay, so John Belushi, he doesn't haunt the cemetery, but guess who does haunt the cemetery? Someone who, who I know you haven't heard of, but I cannot wait to tell you who it is. Oh, yeah, then who? Her name is Nancy Luce. She haunts it. She was a local in the vineyard, and she didn't really get along too well with people, not nearly as well. She got along with animals, specifically chickens. Hmm. And so she was nicknamed the Chicken Lady. And she had relied on the chickens to survive and to be her family as her parents had abandoned her when she was younger. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. So she began to get more and more chickens and she gave them very eccentric names, names that still live on today at the Los Angeles Zoo, where they started naming their chickens the same names as Nancy Luce had given her chickens. Oh, my gosh. And Nancy, she got a little obsessed. And she started publishing poetry about her chickens. Whoa. And she even got professional portraits done of herself holding her chickens. Oh, my gosh. I love it. You can look them up. They're quite amazing. And actually, there's one that I'm like, wait, I actually really love this. And I would probably frame this. I'm looking it up right now. There are many. But my favorite is the one that was on her Wikipedia page where she's holding two chickens. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's beautiful. So Nancy, she is living with her chickens, and of course, chickens don't have quite as long of a lifespan as humans, so her chickens did pass before she did, and when her chickens did die, she would bury all of her chickens on her land, and she gave them all chicken gravestones. And she was a very eccentric islander. Everyone knew who she was. Are you looking at the picture? Yes, this is amazing. Isn't it? Don't you want to frame it? Yes. It would just look better framed on my wall, is all I'm saying. (laughs) I just appreciate that she did that. I'm like, yes, this looks so good. It's amazing. All right. So she she buried all of her chickens and gave them gravestones. Uh, but she was known, even though she didn't get along with the people nearly as well as she got along with her chickens and spent most of her time with chickens, she was the eccentric islander that everyone knew. She was the chicken lady. She was very famous on the island. So when she passed away in 1890... Uh, Nancy's headstone 
was placed really nicely with some stone chickens around it. It's all Hello. decorated, adorned with chickens, and she's laid to rest in the West Tisbury Cemetery. And people who venture near her grave sometimes hear clucking sounds. The sounds I hope she was reincarnated as a chicken. Chickens. Oh my God, wouldn't that be lovely? That would be. But when people follow these clucking sounds, like where the heck is this chicken, they end up right at her grave and the sound comes as if it's coming from underneath the earth where Nancy is buried. And additionally, people have put out flocks of plastic chickens around her grave. You know, like you you can do like plastic flamingos in your yard, stuff like that. There's a bunch of plastic chickens that people have put. The locals will tell you that even in the worst of storms, these plastic chickens stay planted in the earth. They do not move. They are stuck there. Like, because Nancy Nancy won't let them go. Loves them and she's holding them in place. Oh, I love that. So that's a lovely story. But let me, let me end on something that maybe is a little less lovely, a little more scary. Okay. There is a pond called Ames Pond. It's also known as the Crying Swamp of North Tisbury. It has a very strange and haunting past because in the early 1900s, Captain Roland Luce, uh, he lived nearby the swamplands. He was out for a little stroll. And while he was strolling around having his little evening walk, he heard the wails of a baby in the wind. And this was like a ghostly sounds of a baby. And it was coming from the marsh area. And it kept happening. And more people started walking by that area, the more and more people also said that they heard the baby's cries. Oh my god. And people were very, very spooked. And it happened for a long time. So eventually everyone's just like, let's just avoid that area at night altogether. But not everyone avoids areas at night. Sorry, I said that was my last story, but it's not. I have one more. <laughs> because I have to tell you about the town of I'm gonna butcher all of these town names, but I believe it's pronounced Chilmark. And They may have themselves either a skinwalker or chupacabra or something because there is a man. His name is Charles Stevens. He's from Philadelphia, and he spends a lot of time on the vineyard. He has for decades. He does some business down there, and he had some meetings all day, and he was a bit tired on his drive back home, and he missed his driveway by quite a bit. So he goes past his driveway by like a mile, and then he's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm tired. I miss my driveway. I'm going to turn around. I'll go back. Yeah. Whatever. So he turns back around. And right before he gets to his driveway, he just gets a really, really bad feeling. So he stops his truck and he just sits there. And then out of the corner of his eye, he spots something coming. So Charles, in describing it, this is what he said. Quote, it was half human, half huge dog with black shiny hair. The rear legs were much longer than the front by twice in length. The thing had a snout like that of a possum with teeth like a wild boar. No. Its face was contorted in a rage as it looked at me. I hit the gas and punted it up to the house. It charred into the shrubbery and disappeared. I saw the bushes sway in its path for several yards. It never appeared again. And Charles also said that he knew. He just had the feeling that whatever it was wanted to kill him. So he was oh very much spooked by whatever this creature was. And Charles also told a few people, and one such person who he told was Holly Nader, who worked for the Vineyard Gazette, the newspaper. And she found this story a little far-fetched, and a couple days later, she repeated it to her friend who worked at a gift shop. And 
she was thinking that they would just like, you know, have a share a laugh over this lad. Just be like, ah, ha, ha, how wild, how ridiculous is this story? But she, after she tells her friend this, her friend is like, not laughing. And it's just like, okay, well, that's really weird. I have to tell you this. There's a woman who frequents the shop and she lives in that same exact area. And recently she described to me that exact same creature you just described to me. And this woman said that she was out for an evening stroll in that area when she saw this creature and she got the same feeling like this thing wanted to hurt her. No. Yep. So in Martha's Vineyard, not only are there plenty of ghosts, but there's also potentially some demon creature cryptid walking around, lurking around the swamps and the cliffs and the woods and your home. That's terrifying. It sounds like a, a skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I was so oh on board. God. I've already been to Martha's Vineyard. I downed like three bagels in one morning once. But I don't know if I want to go back after hearing those scary ghost stories. I really want to go. But like I could do a daytime, like a little day trip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I actually now I'm nervous because I once. Well, it's in the past. But I when I was there, I was in college and it was like I was training for a one of my marathons back then and so me and my guy friend at like midnight decided to go on like a three mile run granted we had also been drinking that day don't know why we decided to do this but we got so scared we were running down like the dirt path and we we both got so freaked out we turned around and went home because we like heard things and we're really freaked out okay because it's haunted and now it makes sense you were probably right near that creature now it makes sense it was I watching you from the creature Okay, what do you have? I have a story from Morgan who grew up in Cape May, so I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, wow, that worked out really well. Mm -hmm. She sent us a a bunch of stories, so I'm just going to pick a few that are from Cape May, but they're all great. Okay, her subject line is, all the ghosts that haunt me are extra AF, and I'm so done with their BS. (laughs) Yo, ladies, what's up? Just want to say you guys are totally responsible for my sanity since I listen to you whenever I'm cleaning, so like all the time. So thank you for keeping me grounded. The only downside to this is that sometimes I get scared of what you're talking about. I'm looking at you, hat man. And I start to clean with my back to the walls so that so that nothing can creep up on me. Whatever ghosts are haunting my house must think I'm nuts. Speaking of ghosts, I have a ton of creepy little stories to share with you. And in the spirit of Elise attempting to keep this email somewhat neat, I've separated them into categories for you to check out. On a serious note, I have seriously never loved a, a podcast more than yours. You guys are so wonderful, and both my roommate and I enjoy listening to you immensely. Okay, I'll shut up. Here are my ghost stories. So this one is from Cape May. Every summer, my entire family goes on vacation to Cape May. We're a big family, so we rent a big house, a very old Victorian-era house. And my dad's side of the family is really into spirits, and they totally believe and are open to that kind of stuff. And whenever something freaky happens, they love telling everyone over cocktails, Gotta love the Jersey aunts, which is how I found out this summer that I would be receiving the highest honor of getting to sleep in the most haunted room in the entire four-story house. Alone. Fuck. I initially approached the situation with somewhat rational mindset. I'd be fine. This was supposed to be a vacation after all. And then I stepped into the room and immediately had to leave. That's how bad the vibes were in there. And normally I can overlook stuff like that. My aunt wished me a good night on the first night by telling me that when she was in that room, she'd woken up at 3 a.m. to what she thought was my uncle rubbing her shoulders, except (laughs) he was asleep. I tried to put that shit out of my mind and settled into bed. After reading for a bit, I turned off my light and tried to shut my eyes. 
Ugh, it took me two hours to fall asleep, and the entire time I swear something was watching me. I kept having to turn on my phone light and shine it into the corners of the room. Finally, finally, I got comfy enough to shut my eyes for longer than a minute, and that's when something whispered in my ear. It was a voice. It was deep and guttural and dark. I always have to write things down to remember them, but I'll never forget what it growled at me. You are all just sheep to slaughter. Oh, God. It was fucking horrifying, you guys. But at that point, I was so exhausted from being freaked out of my mind for two and a half hours that I told myself not to be a little bitch and told whatever had growled at me to F off. Sleepiness makes me bold. And I fell asleep. Also, I want to point out that the only way in and out of that room at night was a single trap door that led down into the dark kitchen like most Victorian homes. You could only get to my room through everybody else's, which meant I'd wake them up if I had to use the bathroom at night. I had to keep this trap door propped open every night, and I was always afraid that I'd shine my phone light in the dark gap and see something staring back at me, or a set of long fingers appearing over the lip of the floor. Also, that uneasy feeling in my room never went away the entire vacation. It was awful. What's worse is the final day I was heading out to the outdoor shower, which is under the freaking porch, when my cousin Brittany passed by looking upset. I asked what was wrong, and she told me that something had hit her in the shower. She even had a red mark. As soon as I stepped in the shower, I had that same uneasy feeling come back. I sing when I'm nervous, so I hope the neighbors enjoyed me screaming, panic at the disco, three octaves off key. Looking (laughs) back now, I can't believe I slept a week in that room. I also can't believe how dramatic that ghost was. My job's haunted, but the ghosts are less annoying than the customers. This is a whole section. I live in a really old town, but like, duh, it's New Jersey. Every town is old. The place I work at used to be a saloon and brothel in the 19th century from a saloon to a hotel the building switched hands a number of times until it became a restaurant a massive restaurant and because of the way the building was built all those years ago it feels like a maze and it can get pretty creepy when it's empty and believe me when i say that it's very easy to get lost or spend 10 minutes trying to find someone one night i was serving a very sweet family when the daughter asked if the place was haunted except she asked like she already knew the answer her mother went on to tell me that they weren't from around town and she said that this entire town gave her the weird vibes and that the inhabitants didn't seem to notice it. And I still think about that, like the people who live here have overlooked the strangeness. As far as I know, there are three prominent deaths that occurred in, in the building, all in the same room on the third floor, the red room. I know, cliche. Back in the 1800s, a sex worker left her toddler in the bathtub to go to attend to a customer. She returned to find her child had drowned. Overwhelmed with grief, she hanged herself. And the final death occurred when a woman hired a hitman on her cheating husband. Apparently, he infiltrated the brothel, snuck up to the red room, and shot the man while he was with the sex worker. I've been working here for a little over half a year, and two months in, I was walking up the stairs past one of the back dining rooms when I spotted another server lurking by one of the back tables. I called out his name and opened the door to the dining room, except no one was there. But I distinctly remember seeing a tall black figure moving around by the table as I'd passed. It's happened twice now, and I'd like to think that whatever it is, that back table is their favorite and i always make sure to wipe it down and fix it fix it extra nice for them just because i don't want to piss them off also just realized you couldn't see my head hold on that's okay okay one more this is called okay this is my college is haunted my apartment is haunted my sister is haunted literally everything is haunted help me okay my apartment my roommate ada and i recently learned that it's over 150 years old which isn't which wasn't shocking because something already had come out to play. Like, literally, it loves playing jokes, usually on me, of course, because why not? We live on the third floor, but the door to get to the actual building also locks. And one night, I unlocked my apartment door to run downstairs and let my then-boyfriend in. 
and I made sure my actual apartment door was unlocked as I left because Ada was away in Pennsylvania and I didn't feel like digging up my keys. When I came back, the door was locked tight. I couldn't get in for half an hour and the entire time I had the distinct feeling that someone was laughing at me, besides my boyfriend. I just kept repeating, I definitely left this unlocked. I was so confused. A few weeks later, as I was cleaning the bathroom, I started running bath water. And a minute later, I leaned into the bathtub to start cleaning it and out of nowhere, the shower head came to life and started spraying me. I have never reamed out a supposed entity longer in my life since it clearly had too much time on on its hands. Ada's also woken up to the feeling of a presence like someone watching over her. Sometimes she says the feeling is so intense it makes her nauseous. We both agree that we feel no bad vibes from whatever it is there. Also, my cousin is a Wiccan and supplies us with sage for cleansing, so I think we're all cool, meaning us and the entity. But it better not try freaky shit unless it's paying rent. That's all I have for now. Hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, please email me back. Looking forward ne- to your next episode, Morgan. Morgan's relationship with these spirits are so interesting because it's like all this stuff happens, but she does a lot to make them feel comfortable and appease them. I think it's probably because it's like it's better to make them happy than aggravate them, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I also love she just tells them off. I know. And I also I do like that she wipes off that table in the back for the goats. <laughs> just yeah. your table's nice and clean. Don't bother me. Don't bother me. I, I did, did this the best nice I could for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that house though in Cape May sounds scary. I'm starting to think Cape May is not this wonderful, beautiful place that you were describing all of these <laughs> great childhood memories at. I'm starting to think it's it's a place of danger. I mean, listen, there are probably some dark ghosts there. I never encountered them. I went for 19 or 20 years of my life and never had anything bad happen to me. So I think I'm good. All right. All right. I have a story. This is from Laura. She sent a bunch of stories, but I'm going to read one of them. Okay. Hey, spooksters. I've been binging your podcast recently at work to help pass the time and finally decided to send my stories. I'm just going to give you all of them at once so you can choose which ones of any you want to share <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast. All right. But there is a great one because she has one from the Hamptons, which is Ooh. where the New Yorkers go. So this is kind of for you, Sabrina, since you're kind of a New Yorker. Uh, I think New Yorkers would beg to differ. But you're from Jersey. One and the same, right? Definitely not. <laughs> People do not like New Jersey and say that they're from New York. Okay. Which I don't. Okay. All right. Well, (laughs) you know what? Never mind. But I still appreciate a good story from New York. I love New York. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, A few years ago, my friend's (laughs) grandmother decided to buy a house in the Hamptons. It needed some renovations and the basement wasn't finished and still has some items from the previous owners in it, foreshadowing. Mm. My friend and I were super excited, though, because she had recently gotten her license. So her mom said that we could go out to the Hampton house on our own for weekends if we wanted we went two weekends in a row the first weekend things were normal except for the fact that we both had some serious weird vibes that intensified when night came but we thought we were just being crazy or or maybe we were just city girls and not used to the darkness and the quiet we slept in the living room though because for some reason we were afraid of being cornered in our bedroom hmm it's a weird Both of us feeling also to slept. Have. Weird feeling. Listen to your feelings. Both of us also slept covered in quilts, even though it was way too hot. What could we have been afraid of? <laughs> Whatever. Weekend one was fine, 
aside from a few weird vibes, so we went back the next weekend. We're safety bugs, so we always arrive and check the whole house to make sure everything is locked up and such so that we know that there's no way a human could have made their way in. So this must have been paranormal. It was night, but not that late, only like 9.30, maybe 10 p.m., and we were in the kitchen. I was sitting on a stool at the island, and she was standing across from me, and we were just out on our phones showing each other things on Snapchat and such when we heard what sounded like faint stomping in the basement. We both stopped what we were doing and sat in silence for a while. We didn't look at each other. We were just still looking down, but just listening. No. Then we heard it again. I was shaking with fear and I was afraid to look at her because if I saw her face and that she was scared too, then I'd know I wasn't being crazy. <laughs> we, we heard the steps again. I finally looked at her. I felt tears welling in my eyes. She was staring towards the door of the basement with tears in her eyes too. I whispered to her, do you hear that? And she just nodded. We stayed in silence for a little longer and the steps sounded again a little louder this time. I was genuinely afraid to get out of my stool because it was wobbly and I really thought if it tapped on the ground even a little, whatever was downstairs would come upstairs. My friend grabbed a knife for protection, lol, and whispered to me (laughs) asking what we should do. I was fully at a loss. I was frozen in fear. She wanted to call the police, but I stopped her and I didn't want to waste the police's time and have them come search the house and find nothing and have us look like absolute fools. First of all, I'd like to say, always waste the police's time if you're concerned. It's not a waste if you're concerned about your life and safety. The drive home was too far at that time of night, almost three hours, and her parents would have been pissed if we showed up at the house in the middle of the night because a sound in the house spooked us. (laughs) They didn't want us driving alone at night, which makes sense. My friend ended up calling her friend Jack, who lives about 45 minutes away, because she was basically crying on the phone and he believed us, and so we booked it out of the house and drove to his house to sleep there. We left in an absolute frenzy. All we brought with us was the house keys, car keys, and my friend's wallet. We couldn't even be bothered to grab our phone chargers. We just had to go back the next morning, of course, to get our things. My friend's mom wanted us to go down into the basement to turn the water heater off, but we were straight up like, no, sorry, we can't go down there. You'll have to come do it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody in her family believed us about that night, and they all thought we had just watched some horror movie and were spooking ourselves or hyping each other up until my friend's cousin moved in there for a few months. We'll call him Freddy. Freddy has always been a big skeptic and Still is, so he only recently told us that he would hear footsteps in the house at night sometimes and see shadows out of the corner of his eye. The strangest occurrence happened when no one was in the home and a worker was scheduled to go in and do some renovations. He called Freddie and the conversation went something like this. Hey, I thought you said no one was going to be home when I came. Should I have come back another time? No, you're good. No one's there. No, your grandmother's here. I see her right now. I'm in the driveway. She's literally standing in the window staring at me. (gasps) That's not possible. My mom just dropped her off at the apartment in Manhattan. So, basically, the worker gave the situation a big nope and left. And when Freddie got back there, of course, no one was in the house. And his 97-year-old grandmother was still in her apartment hours away from there. My friend told me that Freddie said that one day... He got a really big urge to just clean out the basement and get rid of everything that wasn't theirs. So he got rid of all of the previous owner's belongings and literally nothing weird has happened there since. I've been back there multiple times and the air there just feels a lot lighter than it used to. 
Thanks for reading. Bye, Laura. <laughs> um, okay, I was gonna say it's not like uh, I like didn't really get like the creepy, freaky vibes, but then when it mimicked the grandmother, I lost it. That's horrifying. okay. Well, we don't know if it was actually his grandmother. It was it probably just an old lady. The worker just assumed it was his grandma because it was an older woman. Yeah, but like in staring home. in the window—that's so creepy. Yeah, but just staring like, who is this person? This person doesn't live here. Who is this person coming in my house? Ugh. That's so creepy. Can you imagine wonder, being the worker too and being like, oh my God, this thing is staring at me and now I have to get back like in my car calmly and turn around and fucking book it out of here? Oh, I would be. Yeah, nope. Nope. But it's sweating. better to get out. That's I also so wonder scary. what it was attached to and now where is that furniture? Where'd it go? I Who know. has it? Maybe that's what, maybe that's what that woman needed to move on finally. She just needed her belongings to live a new life and be somewhere else be gifted to someone else's home and uh then she could let go and she could move on instead of having wow. it just stored in the basement yeah i hope i part of me is like did they because you can tell when something is like a dark scary vibe and it seems that's what they were feeling yeah so i wonder what what the spirit wanted or maybe if were some multiple. anger that they were there yeah right right this is my home or it was my home and now it's all gone <sighs> okay well if you guys have stories of your own please email them to us our email is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com we yeah, do our best to go through all of them and hopefully read them on the podcast yes tell us where you summer tell us all your ghost stories and also you can support us in many ways first of all please rate and review us on itunes and then we also have social media where you can follow us and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to say thank you to Eric Foster at Fire Digital for editing this episode. Thank you so much. And we will see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Very spooky.